please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. So we're here in the face of another mass shooting that is being characterized in the mainstream media in in a very peculiar way. Um, The incident this last week in San Bernardino, California, is preoccupying our minds and is going to be the main subject of our discussion today because I think that it's time that we have an honest voice out there in the airwaves talking about what really happened and what needs to happen and, and to cut through a lot of the malarkey that's being spouted about gun control concerning these sorts of issues. So after binging on MSNBC and and CNN and all of the official news sources that have been coming out since this happened just the other day, I think that we've learned the following facts. So we have a U.S. born citizen who decided to go postal on his uh, office party that he was attending. Somebody made him mad. He turned around and went home. Uh, his name at the beginning was not being released, but he went by the nickname NRA Jimmy. And when he attacked the place, uh, it was a, a homicidal workplace violence uh, incident that ended up with 14 people being dead, that this would never have happened if only he lived in a country that had common sense gun laws preventing people from purchasing AR-15s or massive truckloads of ammunition i think you mean he was a foreign-born naturalized citizen wasn't he no he was a u.s citizen his parents came over from iran uh in the 80s when they were like 18 and they met here and then he was born here well it's been proven that he has ties to isis and international terrorism is what the, he, the words are being used not he, necessarily re- he recently went to saudi arabia to by a wife, I guess. Or. No, well, actually, the the trip to Saudi Arabia was independent. Uh, he went there to meet with somebody else, at which point he met up with his wife, who is from Pakistan, which is um, a way that they were able to meet in between. Mm-hmm. They were married in Saudi Arabia and then returned to the U.S., but there was no reason for them to travel to Saudi Arabia independent of meeting up with somebody else. Okay. Well, there, his name was not Jimmy. NRA Jimmy. It was a nickname that everyone called him by. It was not. I didn't hear anybody call him NRA Jimmy on the news. Well, it sounds like from what's happening in the Senate that it's all the NRA's fault. So, are you listening to Hillary Clinton? You're listening to Hillary Clinton again, aren't you? I'm listening to just about everybody in the Senate and the New York Post and the New York Times and the LA Times and everybody seems to be spouting that this is all about gun control and workplace violence. It is. It is about gun control and workplace violence, and I can I can narrow it down to how. If they had not put so such strict stipulations in gun control in California, there may have somebody that been there that was armed that could have took these people out. Well, they're talking about all these gun control regulations that we need to put in place, including a return to the 1994 assault weapons ban. That if we had had that assault weapons ban in place, then this wouldn't have happened. But this happened in 
California. Where there's already crazy bans on guns. Well, California, you're not allowed to have an AR-15. You cannot purchase ammunition without signing up on a registry so that they can track how much ammunition that you have. This this guy had was being called a, a massive amount of ammunition. I mean, this is no more ammunition than I think than half of the Georgia Carey members have in their garages. He, he had 4,000 rounds, okay, total across all of the different calibers and everything else. That's, that is four cases. That isn't even enough to break the UPS guy's hand truck, much less be called a massive amount of ammunition. And as we're coming up on the Christmas season, folks, I think that we should have a protest about this characterization of too much ammo being a few thousand rounds by going out and buying a few thousand rounds each and have them all shipped through UPS so that they can see the massive amount of ammo moving around this country and realize that normal law-abiding people have a use for a couple thousand rounds of ammo. I think we should show the Obama administration that every time they talk about more gun control, gun sales will go up, so they'll just shut their mouths. I think everybody, every time Obama says the words gun control, everybody should go out and buy another gun. Do you think that's what happened this last week? Because I, Obama is being very different than he has ever been in the past. When Sandy Hook happened, he was out there in the forefront saying, we are going to have gun control. We are going to do something about this. This is, and and you know, a couple of weeks ago, he's there saying, the one thing I wish I could do in my last year is to have meaningful gun legislation go through it. But it wasn't the, we are going to do this, we're going to, I have a phone and I have a pen and I will get it done. It was much more of this, eh, I wish I could do it. And then you listen to him on, what was it, Friday? Thursday? Thursday, I think, that he gave his speech from, from the Blue Room. And he's like, well, we don't really know what happened. It could be terrorism. It, it might be workplace violence. We're going to wait till we get all the facts. But in, in the end, we as a nation have to decide whether or not we want to do something. I know. It wasn't, it wasn't the, you know, the, the push. It wasn't like, we, I am the leader and it's time for us to do something about this. It was like, well, maybe they'll want to do something. I just don't know. I know what to do about it. Well, we ban all the flag. You know. <laughs> ban the flag. Yeah, every time there's a shooting, let's ban a flag or, or put one up on our Facebook pages. I, That's I don't, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, we are living in a day and age where this seems to be happening very frequently. And I was looking at it. Why is it happening so much more frequently during this administration than any other administration ever? Well, there's there's a couple of things that are converging here. And this is going to take some time to talk through. And I know we got the whole show, so I, I don't want to like just jump into every aspect. But there's three things that I think are happening that are causing more attention to be drawn to this. One, you have an agenda that is trying to eliminate the personal freedom to protect yourself and make you dependent on the government. That agenda is going to highlight issues like these in order to make people afraid and, and through their fear to call out for government for help. Second, we have misreporting. The there's a story floating around. I even heard Herman Cain talking about the there's been more mass shootings this year than there were days in the year, and it's just sad. And and Cain was saying, you know, he's pro Second Amendment, but this still is just sad. Well, you know what the truth is is that's just not the facts. The facts are the people who are reporting 355 mass shootings in the U.S. are including shootings that have absolutely nothing to do with mass terrorism, uh, uh, attacks from other countries, or anything that we would con. con- conclude to be this kind of terroristic, mass shooting, horrible event. They included anything where four or more people were shot. 
And this includes gang violence between gangs. This includes home invasions. This includes even armed an inc- robberies. Even an incident. And they, they and when they say people being shot, they include the perpetrator. So you have three armed perpetrators go into the home, shoot a homeowner, and he kills the three people who attacked him. That's a mass shooting, according to these statistics. There is even an incident where two kids with BB guns shot six people. No injuries reported, but it was enough to trigger a police investigation because the kids were shooting at people with BB guns, and that was a mass shooting that was reported in the 355. This was all done by, by Ben Swan here in Atlanta, and I think that he did a fantastic job of reporting it. I put it up on our Facebook page for people to go read the original report because he did a wonderful job in exposing the outright lies of what is these 355 mass shootings. Finally... We've got not only an administration that's trying to push an agenda, and we have a media that's trying to push an agenda, but we actually have had a, a substantive change in the way that America works. Because while gun ownership is up, and some states are allowing more and more carry, as we see carry becoming advanced in many states, we see more and more gun-free zones erected. And every time that one of these shootings happens, it happens in a gun-free zone. We have designated soft targets for people to attack, whereas before, there may have been fewer people carrying but you had absolutely no idea where they were now you can be absolutely sure that there are no cops carrying in these gun-free zones because they're prohibited everyone's prohibited and as you walk into this government building unless you're their personal um you know federal marshal or their security team a police officer from the department has to check their gun before they go in so on top of the fact that california's gun laws are terribly restrictive we can almost bank on the fact that that building being what it was a social services type building Mm-hmm. Was a gun-free zone. It was. And you know that there was a lady that saw them carrying guns in days I, before? What, what, I, what, I, what I read was that a neighbor had saw people congregating in their yard, uh, massive shipments of ammo coming in, massive being apparently these four cases, shipments of ammo coming to their door, and, and there was enough to raise some suspicion, especially when they started to do something with pipe bombs. You remember that there were four pipe bombs found at the scene, and then there were 12 found in their garage. Mm-hmm. They were manufacturing improvised explosive devices, and there was some thing that this neighbor noticed with them making bombs and, and getting uh, material in that could be used in an attack, now, but they refused to make a statement. Let's compare this to a workplace shooting. We're going to compare this to the post office killer, okay? Mm-hmm. So he gets mad at work, he goes postal, he goes home, gets a gun, comes back, shoots a bunch of, pe- bunch of people. Because they can't defend themselves. Because they can't defend themselves. The, the guy up here in Kennesaw at FedEx gets upset goes home gets a gun comes back shoots a bunch of people and then in the end shoots himself mental illness very clear this very clear mental illness but there was not any really premeditation it's not serious premeditation with most of these workplace violence incidents somebody snaps Mm -hmm. when they're making pipe bombs there's this is a level of premeditation that shows that it's terror Mm. well I'm going to argue with you there, because I don't think that this is a terrorism incident. I do. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to throw in my spiel. The fact that Al-Qaeda took um, responsibility for it, not Al-Qaeda, ISIS. ISIS hasn't taken responsibility for it, but they have praised the action. There's a slight difference. And I think that they are afraid to take responsibility for it because they know that we have a, a high likelihood of either becoming involved or impeaching the president and then becoming involved. I think our president is involved with them. Well, in the end, it doesn't matter. The majority of Iraqis believe that the U.S. is funding ISIS at this point. Folks, we're at a commercial break. We'll be right back.
back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Well, thank you for sticking around, folks. As we come back from the break, we were discussing just as we had to cut um, whether or not this is really terrorism. And, you know, in a broader sense, I guess, you know, we have moved from a point in this country of, of starting to call every sort of, of violent act that is designed with a political means behind it, terrorism. But this is not terrorism, all right? Let's think about what terrorism is. Terrorism is when a group uses violent means to disrupt people's normal activities to make them afraid to continue in their normal course of business, thereby causing an economic disruption and influencing a vast number of people with a smaller act. I think that there are people in that town that are afraid to have their office Christmas party right now. There, there may be. There uh, may be. But what this is, this is guerrilla warfare. This is where you have small groups of isolated cells that act independently to attack infrastructure in such a way that they are driving their, their – it's, it's used as a feint and, and – um, delay tactic. When you attack a building like this, you see response times. You see how things are deployed. You see how people work. The next cell then improves their attack pattern. And once they've got their attack pattern built up to where they know how to do things and be able to escape, and you saw that they were trying to escape. This was not a suicide bombing, as is normal with terrorism. They were not announcing their political agenda online as is normal with terrorism. They were not um, having a suicide YouTube video that was played afterwards. They did bring GoPro cameras. Why would they bring GoPro cameras? They wanted to watch it later. They wanted to be able to review what happened to watch response times, and to be able to evaluate how to do it better the next time. To disseminate that information through a network to other cells in a guerrilla network in order to be able to improve their tactics. This is not terrorism. This is straight-out war. And this needs to be addressed in a different way. That may be why the president is acting so quiet about it how why he is so withdrawn if this wasn't a terrorist attack it would be something that we were be capable of handling in our traditional way of dealing with terrorism that we've built up over the last 12 years but this is fundamentally different this is a new stage in the war that we are in and this is where it's becoming much and much more like the warfare described by Mao Zedong and Che Guevara in guerrilla warfare and attacking targets and evaluating the response time it seems like our president is very unwilling to even admit that it's terrorism when it's terrorism. So I don't know why you're getting some big signal out of him not responding yet. Well, but not, really, he has responded. He said, we need more gun control. The, the response that he had this time was different from the responses that I've seen after. He looked like a little kid that got caught with his hand in the cookie jar this time. He looked very defeated. He looked the same way he looked after the Paris attacks. Very defeated. That... This is not working the way it's supposed to. Something, this is going terribly wrong, and he doesn't know what to do about it because it is not fitting in with his worldview. And I think that that is one of the fundamental problems. You mean his worldview that you can't paint all of Islam with one brush? Well, you can't paint all of Islam with one brush. And, and it's not fair to say that, that all of the people who are, are adherents to the Muslim faith are dangerous or violent because if they were... There would not be anybody else left at this point. Let's, I'm, let's think about I'm not saying that they are, but I'm saying they have the potential to be. Well, everyone has the potential to be. Christians and Jews do, too. 
I mean, if you want to talk about violence in religions, let's talk about Jews, where they were commanded to go in and commit genocide and wipe entire peoples off the face of the earth and leave none behind. And they were punished by God for not burning the cattle afterwards as a spoil of war. I mean, that was, that's, that's Judaism. You want to talk about Christianity, the, 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 the cornerstone that the church is built upon, Christ said that I will build my, my church upon the rock, that, that you are Peter. Peter pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of the, the um, chief priest's servant when he came for Christ. And Christ says, put it away, stop, and healed the ear. But Peter was ready to do violence and did physical violence to another person. Christ chased the people off of the temple with a scourge because they were do- committing commerce in his father's house. Every, every religion has potential for violence. It's like whether you use that violence for good or for evil. And here we see people who are using it for evil because that they have been told that this is what God wants from them. But God does not want you to use your violence for evil. God wants you to defend. And sometimes you have to defend to the utmost, including you giving your own life to defend and protect other people. But we see the uh, divergence here. Now, is that a core tenet of Islam? If that were a core tenet of Islam, the 1.5 billion Islamic people throughout the world would pretty much wipe everyone else off the map. So it's not. This is a subset. These are people who are pure evil, and they are using religion as a cover to cloak their evil, to recruit people to evil, to brainwash them into doing evil. Evil exists in every form, in every religion, in every culture, in every race, and that evil is coming out and coming through. And we will see evil in every aspect of this, and it will get worse. Well, it's meant to get worse. If you buy into Bible prophecy at all, this is exactly the things that are supposed to happen before the end time. Well, in in the end, we have some obligations. We have obligations as free citizens of this country. We have obligations that are not granted by our Constitution, but are inherent fundamental rights that come from nature and nature's God. And one of those is self-defense. And I'm telling you, when we rely on the police to stop a mass shooting, whether it's workplace violence, terrorism, or as what I believe we are moving into a new age of guerrilla warfare on U.S. soil, no matter how we look at that violence, when we rely on the police to stop it, we see an average of 18 dead people laying there before the police can react. When a person who has a concealed carry license is on scene and able to stand up and defend themselves, we see about two people, including usually the assailant. Those are startling numbers. And that's the reason I go carry everywhere I go. Well, know? we have seen across the nation. Across the nation, law enforcement calling on people to start carrying. If you're allowed to carry, if it's legal for you to carry, carry every day. Carry everywhere you go because there is no safe place left. Even a holiday Christmas party in an office complex that is helping the poor and needy is a place where you could be called on to defend your life and the lives of others. And there has no, never been a time more pressing that we need to carry our guns and be ready for the violence that's coming. Even to church, I mean, the Dylan Storm Roof thing this year has opened our eyes to bad things happen to good people even when they're in church. And you never know when one of these terrorist-type cells may decide to attack your church or when the neighborhood wacko may get tired of the church's music. Well, we've entered a a very interesting time when it comes to the church. And I I don't care whether it's a Christian church or a synagogue or a mosque. We're at a very odd time for having religious belief. We look at the New York, what was it, New York Post this week, saying 
God isn't helping this situation when all of the Republican presidential candidates came forward and said, you know, we're praying for the victims. You know, may God have mercy on the victims. Let's pray for the families. And then here comes this New York newspaper and it says, God isn't doing anything about this. It's time to actually enact legislation that'll do make a change. Well, you know, there used to be a time in this country and it was not that long ago. It was within our lifetimes and certainly within the lifetime of our parents when if you did not believe in at least a higher power, you were not fit for office. And I know that Obama will say that we've never had religious litmus tests, but the truth is, is that it wasn't a litmus test that you adhere to a certain denomination or faith, but it was a test that you had faith, because how could you be a person to lead a great people? And that's where we are. We are talking about people to lead a great nation. How could you be that person without faith? And now it is not only is seen as as not a non-requirement, but it's literally seen as a detractor that you are somehow inferior, that you are, uh, you know, living in la-la land if you have faith and believe that God can change things. And this is sad. I mean, we've gotten to a place where this is just absolutely sad. And if I have faith and believe that my prayers for this nation or for its leaders, even the leaders I don't like, will make a difference, who is the, the New York, whatever New York newspaper that was that came out and attacked my faith? And there's attacks on faith in every corner right now. And there will be more shootings in churches, mosques, and synagogues. And you're going to see a backlash. There may be a backlash against mosques at this point from people who are angry about the the complete denial and cover-up that's going on concerning this act of, of warfare. And then that will be seen as as like the the beginning of the end that we need to curtail the the, the angry bitter clingers from being able to defend themselves because there was another one who shot up a a mosque or heaven forbid a synagogue or something else. I mean, this back in the eighties this happened. There was a synagogue that was running a daycare that got shot up in California. It was one of the the, the first ones that was nationwide that happened, and that got a lot of the laws put in place that has set up the environment that allowed. San Bernardino to transpire. You know, I still disagree with this being guerrilla warfare just because of the fact that there were bombs involved. They they put bombs in the building. It's not it's not the bombs that make it guerrilla warfare. It's the tactics. This if this were terrorism, there would need to be an aspect to spread terror throughout the populace. This would be something more. You would want to inspire that this will happen again, right? Because yeah. that will impact the economic s- activity. Terrorism works on changing social and economic activity. Well, see, I believe that their plan was to escape there and go and do it somewhere else and have a chain of events through the city that would terrify the people of San Bernardino so bad that they believed this would happen again. Well, still, you would want to have a manifesto. You would want to have some declaration of why the terror was happening. You would well, need see, to we don't know yet focused. that there, there's not. You have no idea what was in their house that hasn't been released yet. I know that uh, the FBI reported this morning, well, Friday. Folks, we're taped, okay? So it's Friday when we're taping this thing, and it's going to be airing tomorrow, and you're probably going to be listening to it next week. But the FBI reported this morning that over the last two weeks that Farouk was going through all of his social media accounts and his computer at home and deleting everything. So there was plenty of opportunity to leave something that would be his message out there. He was covering it all up. He wanted it to go away. He was ready to attack and fade and then move on to another attack. And that's guerrilla warfare, not terrorism. He was planning on being a, a... His own little sleeper cell here that was just quiet. Who says that... Goes and attacks and comes back and hides. Who said that it was his own? 
There may be hundreds of these things. But yes, him and his wife had had put their baby in safekeeping and went on an attack that they were planning to attack and fade and attack again. Folks, we're at another commercial break. We'll be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. When we were uh, taking the break, we were finishing up our discussion on whether or not this is truly terrorism and how you define terrorism. And, and in the end, it doesn't really matter to the 14 people who died and the 21 people who were shot. But there was another interesting fact that came out just today that I thought really was was strange um we know that farouk and his wife were devout muslims that they attended a mosque in their city regularly and were very religious one of the people who was shot at the medical center Mm -hmm. was another adherent who went to the same mosque and who knew them and he knew who she was when he shot her well they said that he had had crosswords with someone at the party because he worked there so he had had crosswords with somebody at the party and left and went home and and came back in tactical gear with guns with his wife. That that again it feeds into the 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 narrative and the narrative is all controlling in these things. This feeds into the narrative that it was just a random piece of workplace violence when obviously it was not. I would want to know who the person who had crosswords were and what the crosswords were at this point because I don't believe that. Just straight up. I've heard that reported over and over and over. I simply don't believe it until someone is on camera saying, these are the words that he said, and I saw him get angry and walk off. Because I think that this was well-planned. I think he was there. I think he waited for a certain opportunity when everybody would be in the same spot. He was at the party to make sure that it was going on as planned. He went home. They executed their plan. They came back, and they shot him up while they were doing the big group photo when everyone was together and and not prepared to run or do anything else. This was extremely well-planned and executed. And the the fact that they were they had loose ammunition that was not in magazines denotes the idea that they were going to hit, fade, reload, regroup, and then hit again. Maybe not even in the same day. Right. What I don't understand is why did they come back out? You know, they they evaded the police for hours, and then it was like two hours later or four hours later they found them two miles away. Two miles is as far as you can get in four hours. Like With the kind of uh, helicopter coverage and everything else, maybe. Maybe they ditched into some place where the helicopters couldn't see them, and they thought that they could make a cleaner escape at a later point. So here's breaking news on CNN.com, and it says, Investigators believe San Bernardino female attacker Toshfine Malik pledged allegiance to ISIS leader. U.S. officials tell CNN. There we go. Now, ISIS, is ISIS operating generally as a terror group, or are they operating as a military group? They're mostly a military group, but they sure do their own brand of terror and beheading Christians and journalists. Well, the way that they're doing that is systematic, and they're operating as a quasi-government. The attacks on Paris were definitely terror. terror. Paris was terror to drive and change social direction. I think that this is something much bigger, and this is the t- just the start of something that we're going to start to see happen. Tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it is an iceberg, and it you know it's kind of interesting that it's happening just before we're starting to take the refugees in instead of just after. It's almost like a message is being sent that we were here. I think they're trying here. to tell us not to take the refugees it in. It might be. 
but there's a message being sent here that we're we're here and it's bigger than this and there's nothing at this point you can do to stop it i think that isis does not want us to have those refugees here i think they want them there where they can control them. I mean, that's the whole point was to dominate and control the, those people in that area yeah so if we're taking them in that's that's a definitely a a change of position for you over the last couple of weeks so apparently yesterday uh, Obama said that the U.S. was a, a safe against ISIS attack. So I wish this he word he keeps using things. this word he keeps using. I do not think it means what he think it means. We have ISIS contained. Paris goes down. Well, the U.S. is safe. The U.S. gets attacked. I, I, I wish he would go and say, you know, we're in horrible danger of of being wiped off the map. Then maybe we wouldn't have any trouble for a while. Just to spite so, him, they'd let us go. It says President Barack Obama said in an interview that aired Thursday. That would be yesterday. That he is confident the U.S. is safe from Paris-style attack from ISIS and that American law enforcement is well-equipped to protect the nation during the holidays. Is this, he smoking this, crack? This has become one of the things that is driving me nuts. This has become a justification for the militarization of our police force. There are people who are, are all over Facebook as they used that MRAP to chase down the, the suspects and run them off the road. They're like, see, this is why the police need armored vehicles. This is why the police need you know, assault weapons. And, and heavy artillery. In the 60s and 70s, didn't they just call in the National Guard? If they had something that big. I mean, during the Boston Marathon, they called in the National Guard, along with some other stuff. They had every police officer in, in the whole area up there searching for those... Bombers. Bombers, yeah. You know, we're... And they had a bomb less sophisticated than a pipe bomb that did major damage. We're looking at some really scary stuff that's coming up, and we need to start taking account of our personal security. You know, I, I gave the statistics the other, just a, the other segment about how 18 die when we wait for the police and how, you know, so few die when there's someone who's ready and, and willing to stand in the, in the gap. But let's take a second and talk about the response time here. Now, whether it's suspicious or whether it was fortuitous and, and God's provincial plan that the police in San Bernardino were running a exercise for an active shooter at the moment that this happened, and their response time was four minutes. Well, you know that when Sandy Hook occurred, FEMA was running a, a training exercise just a couple of miles down the road. And the training exercise was specifically geared to what to do when there is an active shooter situation involving children. As opposed to all the passive shooter situations. Right. right. Anyway. Um, so, you know, it, it, that kind of makes you wonder how much of this is legit and how much the, is staged. The response to Sandy Hook was clearly used for political gain, and so that feeds into the theory that, you know, maybe this was staged. The response to this is, is working against all of the political gain that the people in power could ever possibly want. It seems to be the absolute last thing the president wanted to see happen because it's undermining his ability to do what he wanted to do and the narrative he wanted to have. And there's absolutely no motion by the Congress to change anything as far as it comes to gun laws right now, which is surprising and encouraging that the Republicans are actually kind of doing the right thing. Well, you know, the president is now threatening to sign executive orders because Congress and Senate won't cooperate. Do you know why he has not signed an executive order until now? Because he can't. 
if he signs an executive order, he can't do what he needs to do. And so he makes noises about it. But if it was feasible in any way at all feasible, he would have done it a year ago. And he can't. If he, if he tries that on gun control issues, they'll impeach him, won't they? They may not impeach him, but you might get wholesale civil disobedience across the entire country, people just ignoring it and suing and fighting it and turning it into a quagmire. And, and it would not do any good for him. And that's why. That's why you don't see this. And remember, the president just authorized the, the sale of 1911s through the CMP, which we're kind of working on getting someone in to talk about that in a week or two to, to see, you know, what the, the time frame is going to be. So the president ends up doing what's pragmatic, and he's a lame duck, and he's in his last year, and he can do a lot of things, but he can't make things up out of whole cloth, and he knows it. And the, the backlash he got over his last executive order i think has frightened him to the point where he's not willing to do anything even bigger if he had gotten away with the last one free and clear he might be willing to try for that new brass ring but the man seems to be cowed and not willing to take any sort of steps at all i am very disturbed by the fact that our leader of this country is not willing to do what's right for the people of this country and protecting them it seems like a, a president's first priority is his people and you don't see the president of jordan tucking his tail yeah there's there's another example of of all muslims are bad let's talk about the the king what, what's his last name king Hassad. Uh, Hassad of is jordan name? I, I don't know Hassad is in in um iraq or syria i can't remember but he's got a smoking hot wife like this woman is beautiful and he, I wish I looked like her. <laughs> he's a fighter pilot, and he's just declared that he will would uh, attack ISIS, and he's been leading attacks out of Jordan. He's really been carrying the brunt of it. And he called on all of the Muslim nations around him to wipe ISIS off the map as a blight on their community. I mean, come on. And you don't see ISIS attacking Jordan. Well, they... They, they, yeah, they have. Have <laughs> but, they? Yeah, but maybe not, I missed that in the news. Not, it doesn't get reported because people on this side of the pond just don't care. I mean, if it's in the Middle East, it's all a bunch of who cares, unless it's Israel, and then uh, a certain segment of us get to care in a whole lot. But a lot of people don't even care about that. And you know, we've got Republicans talking about cutting aid to to Israel, and you know, I. I understand the philosophy that, hey, we need to take care of our own first. And when you're running $19 trillion in debt, that uh, maybe we need to not worry about financing other countries' militaries. But when you have a, an ally in the region that's completely been destabilized by our disastrous and idiotic foreign policy, uh, turning our back on our last ally there makes about as much sense as shooting ourselves in the leg on a bear hunt. Uh fun times well we're, we're coming up on the last commercial break folks tune back in we will be right back in just a second and now back to georgiacarry.org radio with doug and jesse king folks when we took our break we were starting to talk about funding and and how we you know want to keep our allies in the region especially in the Middle East you know our allies and so that they're not overrun uh, the Congress has been doing some really strange things we had a funding bill Thursday night that had come up and writer after writer after writer were trying to be amended on and the Republicans shut it down and what the two big issues that the Democrats pushed for was one uh, restricting sales to anyone on the no-fly list and two expanding background checks to close the gun show loophole and neither one of these things would have had any impact on what was going on 
in uh, San Bernardino this week because not only were neither on a no-fly list, the the woman who was involved in this shooting had got a K-1 visa recently to come to the U.S. As such, she passed as stringent or more stringent background checks as the ones that are going to be imposed on the refugees that are coming over and pass them with flying colors. The firearms were purchased legally, although they were illegal in California. They were purchased legally, and there was nothing that would have been in any one of these bills that would have made a, a, a stink bit of difference in the entire event that unfolded. And yet, what is the first thing they try to do is to restrict lawful gun owners' ability to purchase firearms to defend themselves, not to restrict the terrorists, not to restrict insurgents, not to restrict bad guys, but to restrict lawful gun owners because they want to increase our dependence on the government in every aspect of our lives and make us live in fear. And we are seeing a huge uptick. Do you know what the number one growth industry in classes and teaching is this fall? Do you think it's the new tax code? Do you think it has things to do with Obamacare? Self-defense classes? The number one corporate class that is being sought for this Christmas season to teach their, their employees is what to do in an active shooter situation. And the mantra that is being taught in all of these classes is run away, hide, and if nothing else, fight back. Run away, hide, and then fight back. How are they going to fight back? Throw a table? Well, uh, that kind of seems to be the... I'll poke the, you with my pencil. Why Why run away? Why hide? Why not just fight? And see, the, these companies need to, instead of invested in what to do in an active shooter situation, take everyone who can legally own a firearm and put them through a firearms training class and, and put firearms under the desks where they can be released in an emergency and fight back. Well, I'm going to call for something now that's going to make me enemies on every side of the aisle. All right, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. It's time for mandatory training in Georgia. We need to have mandatory training. We do not need to have mandatory training when you go to get a gun permit. We need to have mandatory training in your senior year of high school. You should not be allowed to graduate high school unless you know how to properly operate, clean, and maintain a firearm. And then at that point, we can start talking about how we're going to do uh, licensing in a broader aspect to get more people licensed. It must be mandatory. It must be every single high school graduate from this point on needs to know how to use a firearm. This is no different than what happens in Israel. Israel has been under attack since inception. In 1948, they have had nothing but terrorist and military operations against them from their beginning, and their solution was every person learns how to use a firearm. Their answer was to conscript everyone into the military. We do not need to conscript everyone into the military because we already have a system in place of government-forced education where everyone has to meet certain standards. And one of these standards from this point on, if we are going to have a safe nation that where we can be confident and we do not have to worry about what's going to happen in the future is that every single child who graduates from high school school, must know how to defend themselves, must know how to operate a firearm, clean it, and maintain it. And this must be done. This would make a big difference in teenage-involved shooting, accidental shootings. It'd make a big difference in the entire world. And it's time for people to realize that if we're going to have government-mandated education, let's mandate some education that's going to make a difference in our safety, security, and the way that free people work. Government will hate this idea because government does not want people to be free, but this will encourage freedom. It inspires independence. And honestly, when you're 17 and 18 graduating from high school, it's way too late. It should be done earlier. But I understand that there are some, some concerns and that people will take time to warm up to the idea that
that we can have firearms education in sixth grade like we had in the 50s when there were no mass shootings, when you could order a firearm through the mail and there was no question about a background check and where there was nobody going into schools and doing this. Because if you went into a school and do this, you would have been dropped dead right on the spot because people were taking care of their own personal responsibility and freedom. You know, I was talking to my dad while he was here over the Thanksgiving break about firearms in schools and he was talking about how when he was in high school they would carry their their guns to school in the back of the the truck behind the seat Mm -hmm. and go in and and go to school and then go hunting after school and he said but now they would be arrested expelled prosecuted and all kinds of stuff the movie red dawn back from 1982 um there was an attack at a school and the high schoolers were running out to their cars and jumping in their cars and they had hunting rifles in the back seat and they were returning fire and escaping i mean there was a different culture and we need to return to a culture of safety you want to talk about making yourself safe you mr obama wants to talk about let's you know do something that's going to curtail some if not even though not all but some of these mass shootings Teach the kids to be able to defend themselves. Get people to be able to afford firearms and make sure that they are licensed to carry wherever they can go as long as they're not a convicted felon. And the way that you do the licensing is in the end, you say that any person who is not a convicted felon can carry wherever they want to. And you don't have to pay for a license because we've already had the people go through training in high school and there's no reason to do anything more. And the way you make a difference is by joining GeorgiaCarry.org. For $20 a year, you can make a difference and you can be informed when it's time to call legislators and tell them that certain laws need to be passed and certain laws need to be changed and certain laws don't need to be passed. Get a voice because you can be a, a part of a group of that's 10,000 members strong that talks to legislature. The way you become a member is to go to georgiacarry.org and sign up. Under membership tab on the left-hand side, you can use a credit card to pay, or you can go to any of our local chapter meetings. Along with local gun shows, there's representatives there that can sign you up and, and help you find out what you can do to make the world a little more safe. It's time for us to take personal responsibility for our safety and the security of ourselves our family our loved ones and dare i say the people around us who are less able i mean everyone who is able should at this point be finding whatever is necessary to become a legal carrier in your area whether it's you know constitutional carry in states like alaska and and vermont or or there was one more that added just a week ago i can't think of which one or if it's you know getting your license from states that still have restrictive and and over-the-top licensing schemes it doesn't matter just get it done because you have to take care of yourself if you are unable to take care of yourself that's where the rest of us who are able if you're blind if you have a a physical disability if you are unable to or elderly or uh, of minor age or you cannot defend yourself we need to put those people on the highest priority when we are in any situation if you're in a situation where you're assessing the risk assessment the first people that you need to of course take care of are yourself and your loved ones and after that you need to identify people who are infirm underage or of such elder stature that they would not be able to take care of themselves in that situation the rest of the people there have a responsibility to take care of themselves and to properly arm themselves and to keep themselves safe and you hear that? Did you hear that second there of dead air? That was just that was just one second, folks. Now let's think about what four minutes would be like with neither one of us talking. That's the amount of time that transpired between the almost instant response of the police in San Bernardino and when the shooting started. Four minutes. Four minutes of dead air. Can you imagine that? 
it's a long time as, to be wondering a, what's going to happen to your life, isn't it? As a broadcaster, we flip out over dead air. And every once in a while, you know, you'll be listening to the radio and you'll hear something happen and there's dead air for like 10 seconds and you stop. It comes to your attention. You stop and you think, wow, there's nothing on the radio right now. Huh, somebody's really screwed up there. It was 10 seconds with no response. Well, Four minutes was a lightning response by the SWAT team in San Bernardino. Four minutes of dead air would have everyone turning the station now. So if you're listening to dead air in your local area and you would like to listen to georgiacarry.org, contact your local station and say, hey, I listened to this show and I would like to hear it on your station. And send us an email at radio, radio. at org. And let us know what your station is that you're talking to about it. We will contact them and try to get onto your station. Yeah, save yourself some data. Don't listen to us online. Listen to us on the air and support our, our sponsors. You're going to hear a whole bunch of people advertising on us when you're on your local station, people who believe in carry. Let's support those people and make sure that we visit their stores and, and, and buy their services and get them a little bit more further along in life because they're taking a chance and, and spending good money in order for you to be able to hear the truth. And the truth is is that we need to start defending ourselves and being ready to take care of ourselves and our families. We need our schools to be a place where they're safe, not a place where they're target-rich environments. We need our, our government buildings to be a place where they are safe, not a place where you have to be disarmed and be a victim. We need a place where all Americans are trusted to be responsible for themselves, not to be dependent on others. And when the evil comes, and it will come, it will come in various forms, it will come from various religions. It's It'll already come. here. When the evil comes to your door, you will be ready, that you will be able to defend yourself to the utmost. Folks, it's, it's a scary time. And the only way that we're going to get to a better situation is by working together. Join Georgia Carey. Get out there this weekend. Do something with your family. And we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.